From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. It might be the middle of summer for some people, but there wasn't any heat in Denver. The Nuggets get an absolute game one dominant win over Miami 104-93. And now the question is, what do we see and what's it mean? Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance, and we're going to get straight to the Progressive NBA Snapshot brought to you by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Harry, I said yesterday that about the only really truly boring outcome out of this entire thing would be if the Nuggets won by, I don't know, 30. And I'm not going to lie to you, <laughs> midway through the third quarter, I was like, we might be seeing exactly what I was afraid of. Now, Miami has a plucky effort in the fourth quarter. That's condescending when I say it that way. But at the end of the day, the Nuggets get a game one win, 104-93, in a game that frankly didn't feel as close as the final score to me, and in a game that reminded everybody what I've been saying for a couple of days. This is just a bad matchup for Miami because the stars for the Nuggets were absolutely out there. And frankly, some of the stars for Miami didn't look as good as we'd hoped. Well, I would say this. The Nuggets made it look easy, and that was just about everything. Um, starting with their leader, Nikola Jokic, on down to Jamal Murray, then to Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter Jr., and then the rest of that supporting cast. But I'll tell you this. I was so impressed last night. Not that I wasn't impressed beforehand, but Nikola Jokic and his approach to the ba- game of basketball it's just phenomenal. It's a joy to watch. And if you didn't watch him during the regular season and you just started watching him during the postseason, I would encourage you to watch him during the regular season a lot more. Because for me, it's his basketball identification, his basketball IQ, how cerebral he is. He never looks sped up. He's playing at his pace. He's making the right play. But Fitz, I think he might be the most unselfish superstar in the history of the game of basketball. I honestly feel like that about Nikola Jokic. He's the most unselfish superstar in the history of the game of basketball because the way he approaches, he can have a good shot, in which a lot of superstars would take that good shot, but he would pass up a good shot to get his teammates a great look. So much to the point where two, his teammates last night were 14 of 19 off passes from Nikola Jokic. That mm. is phenomenal. And that also lets you know that he's thinking about his teammates and want those guys to feel good and feel comfortable about themselves. But he has that confidence in those guys to make those baskets. But when you're talking about those passes, I mean, look, as the unathletic guy on this show, how many times have I seen this? Usually it's a play that's happening to me. But, you know, you're running up, you're playing a little, uh, you're playing a little gym ball, and all of a sudden somebody makes that pass and everybody goes, ah! That happens. Like, I'm used to that happening to me, right? Like, I I, I know what that feels like in a gym. I found myself last night just sitting there with Annabelle. I'm yelling at Annabelle that same way at some of these passes. Like, some of the moments where Jokic just no looks makes it look so effortless. And the funny thing is, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you know, we've been, I think, for the last couple of weeks pretty honest about how few people have watched the Denver Nuggets. I will remind everybody, Adam Silver even addressed it yesterday in the league press conference leading up to game one. They don't even have a local TV partnership. So if you are living locally in Denver and you want to watch the Nuggets, 
Nuggets games, you can't because of some of their issues that they have there. So I understand why nobody's seen this team. But I think what you saw last night is that the best of the Nuggets is not only great, the best of the Nuggets has a flow. It has an ease to it. It just mm-hmm. looks effortless. And when you see a big man with the dad bod throwing that pass around the way he was continually throughout the entire game, you're just reminded that there's no easy way to defend Jokic because if you want to take away his passing, he'll beat you with the scoring. If you want to take away his scoring, then you're going to have to get in the way of everything that he does. Like there, There's no way to slow down the way he impacts the game. I said that yesterday and last night. Harry, I feel like we saw it in real time. Well, you, you just brought up something, Fitz, because I, I give a shout-out to, you know, our breastfeeding mothers on this show Woo! quite frequently. But I want to give a shout-out to uh, all of the dad bods out there. All you dads that have those dad bods, don't be ashamed of yourself. You embrace your dad Body bod. positive right here. Body positive. You embrace positive. it, and you have confidence about your dad bod. I mean, okay? you say Look that. Look at Jokic out there. I mean, he's you, confident in everything that he does. He's and con- that's walking around with his shirt off in the damn locker room. I mean, you say that, but you're working out because, like, you got your abs got abs got abs. Uh, Devin, <laughs> Devin is getting in the best shape of his life. I've been trying to get in the best shape of my life. I, I hear you, but also, like, we're all three of us running away from the dad. Javante's like eight pounds. He doesn't have to worry about well, dad. Can bod. I be honest? I've never had a doggone dad bod. I know. Well, I, there's. I mean, I've never had a, I had trouble gaining weight in my entire life. I've never had a dad bod. Wow. You're blessed, but, Harry. You have the metabolism of a, of a teenager. You're right. You're right, you're right about blessed. this. Okay, go But ahead. can I say this, though? Uh-huh, please do. Because I talked about uh, Nikola Jokic being the most unselfish superstar that I think I've ever seen in the game of basketball. Think about this. We're talking about him being unselfish, and he had 27 points, 10 rebounds, 14 assists. At halftime, Nikola Jokic only made three field goals. Three field goals, but he had 10 points and 10 assists. That lets you know the kind of player that he is, and he's also special, and we should not take him for granted. I mean, his first bucket wasn't until nearly the end of the first quarter on a beautiful little look from one of his teammates on a busted play. Like, he definitely wasn't trying to score, but he didn't have to because everybody else was playing. I, I, I promise you I'm not trying to make this a shot game, but if you took a shot every time I said efficient with the Denver Nuggets, you would be very drunk by the end of this show. But there's a reason why. Like, we watched them come out efficiently, and Jokic set that tone. If you don't believe us, you'll believe Mark Jackson, ESPN NBA analyst, who said this about Jokic on SportsCenter with SVP after the game. The best players in the world historically don't have to score to impact the game. And that's exactly what we witnessed him doing, setting the tone, getting guys quality looks on the offensive end, whether it be mismatches, recognition, reading, and reacting. Just a brilliant, brilliant passer and climbing the charts as one of the truly all-time great players in the history of this game. Now, that's huge, Fitz, because a guy in Mark Jackson was a floor general. And he wasn't always the guy that was going to score 20, 30 points a game or whatnot, or things like that. But what Mark Jackson did was put his players and his teammates in positions to be successful from the point guard position, setting guys up, surveying the basketball court, seeing what the defense is trying to do, staying one step ahead, one step ahead of what the defense wants to do. So that coming from Mark Jackson is glorious and high praise. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, for all the high praise we're giving to Jokic, we should also acknowledge that part of the other side of this was 
uh, the the I don't want to say the worst of because that sounds very harsh, but some of the things that we've said about Jimmy mm-hmm. Butler throughout the Celtics series mm-hmm. reared their ugly head again. How many times did we see him seem to be? I'm going to use the word hesitant here because I I, I don't think I, I don't want to sit here and say he was intimidated. But what did we see in the Celtics series? There were times where he stopped driving. When he stops driving, they don't have success. We've been yelling about that. Well, you're looking at a Heat team that shot. Two free throws the entire game. And you're looking at a Jimmy Butler that had eight drives the entire game. When you are missing all of your shots as a superstar, you got to take over and you got to just will the team, which we've seen Jimmy Butler do in these playoffs. He did not do that in game one of this series. Well, that's the thing. Moving forward, Jimmy Butler has to be aggressive. You have to be the aggressor. You can't sit there and let the game come to you, not in the NBA Finals, especially when you're trying to win your first one if you're Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat and the rest of the people on that basketball team, right? So... When I, when I looked at this game, they settled for an enormous amount of jump shots. And you look at the free throw disparity, two for the Miami Heat, 20 for the Denver Nuggets. Well, the Denver Nuggets were the more aggressive team. Not just Jimmy Butler, but the rest of the guys on the Miami Heat's basketball well, team. And, and not only that, Harry, but think about it. 20 free throws on a night where they were shooting great. Like, Denver was making their they shots. They shot 50% from the field. Right. 50%. And, and, and they wasn't great from three. And, and, like, I'm looking at Miami, and I'm saying when those shots aren't falling, when everybody's missing everything, what do you do? What's basketball 101 when the Man, outside shots are falling? I got to go get me a layup. I got to go get me a layup. Fitz, I got to get to the free throw line. Uh, that's, that's what I, I was I just got to see the ball go through the hoop. That's all I got to see. I need to see the ball go in the hoop. At the very least, if you are forcing contact underneath, Jokic has never denied the fact that he's not going to be an elite defender. Even even he has said that at times. Force contact. Force him to make a play defensively. Force him to use some effort. Force something other than a force three. Even even though the looks were wide open, and we've got plenty to break down on that, Harry. Warm-up looks. Shots are shooting warm-ups. But if you're missing them. Lord have mercy. But if I'm missing every shot I'm taking from the outside, at some point you're going to look at me no matter how much we love each other, and you're going to say, hey, stop shooting, damn it. Go drive the lane. And we never saw that from anybody in Miami. Well, and, and I will say this. It starts with Jimmy, though, right? When, when, when the rest of his teammates see, see him doing it, it makes it easy for them to do it. But when they see Jimmy settling for jump shots and not being the aggressor, then it makes them do some of the same things. But also Miami can't shoot as poorly as they did. You know, open threes, wide open warm-up shot threes, they were only 5 for 16. Only 5 for 16. Mm. And Struess, Caleb Martin, Duncan Robinson, those guys combined were 2 for 23 from the field. That's not even 1%, Fitz. That's .08%. You can't have three guys who's who's been, you know, able to count, be be able to be counted on during this playoff, shoot 2 for 23. Between the three guys, 2 for 23. Yeah, that that is... In some strange way, and we'll break this down over the course course of the next several hours, that could be one of the reasons that Miami feels like they have hope. But what I know is that one of our buddies, friend of the show, was celebrating last night in Denver, hanging out with Peyton Manning, courtside, living the life. He's going to help us break down the game from what it felt like in Denver next. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The finals on ESPN Radio. The Jokic near the high post, back to the basket, up top to Jamal. Gets a good look, top side three, and buries another eight for 12 in the first half. The 
best players in the world historically don't have to score to impact the game. And that's exactly what we witnessed him doing. Just a brilliant, brilliant passer and climbing the charts as one of the truly all-time great players in the history of this game. This is Fitz and Harry's Love Friday. By now you know the deal. We like to use Friday afternoon to set the mood for Friday night. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. All we ask is if babies are made, maybe you consider Harry and Jason his names. Or both of them. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm sure they love me telling you that right now. Uh, All right. Friend of the show at this point. We had to have him on because I don't know, like, I just can't imagine what better experience you could ask for than the experience he had last night. Like, I'll be I'll be honest with you all. I'm going to the Vegas Golden Knights in Vegas, flying out to Vegas. I'm going to the Stanley Cup final uh, opening game uh, tomorrow night for my birthday. I don't think even in that process I can have the night that Zach Pye had because I'm looking over social media and all I'm seeing is like, is that Zach? Oh, yeah, I mean, Peyton Manning's there too, but let's be real. Is that Zach? Zach was there. You hear him on 104.3, the fan in Denver. We had to and we had to immediately pull up the bat phone because you were all over social media with everybody putting the so- superstars up. Uh, let, let me just start there. What was the experience like being in those seats with all the famous people watching this night for Denver? Oh, my gosh. First of all, thanks for having me back on. I have loved coming on with you guys and talking about this playoff run, uh, which will ultimately be a championship run here in about a week and a half. Uh, It was nuts, man. You know how this works. Like, you're credentialed as a media member. They put you, you know, near the top of the arena. Um, and, and, and I'm accustomed to that. And, I, and I, I, go, I go to the games as a fan and whatnot, but I don't sit courtside, guys. The, that, that seat last night that I was in was anywhere between five and $8,000. And the, the way that it happened, I'm in the middle of the Adam Silver press conference, and my phone starts ringing. And, and the name that comes on my phone is, is a name that you guys wouldn't know, but he, he's, a, he's a big wig in Denver, and he's only called me one other time before. And I'm like, why is my phone ringing with this guy? And he says, uh, I step out of the presser, and he's like, hey, you want to sit with me tonight i'm like absolutely and not knowing that we're going to sit underneath the basket um and directly next to peyton manning directly next to shaquille o'neal uh for for large pockets of the game directly next to sean payton coach of the broncos um it was fantastic james goldstein the uh legendary nba superfan, sat right next to me it was um it was a dream i mean you could punt uh, you could pinch me it wouldn't do any good though uh as someone who lives and breathes this stuff forever uh to have the best seat i've ever had for an nba game at the nba finals and getting to rub shoulders with these guys and have legitimate conversations with these guys it was an absolute all-timer in addition to a Denver uh, Nuggets double-digit victory. Zach, that, that's, just, that's just phenomenal. I got goosebumps, and, Harry. Goosebumps. And be, being able to sit next to uh, Peyton Manning, we call him the sheriff, also a.k.a. Buckethead. You know, I got to have a little fun here. How big is Peyton Manning's head in person, actually? <laughs> it, it's it's it, It's gigantic. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, uh, but, but I'll tell you this, man. I'll tell you this about Peyton, and this is, this, is, this is intriguing. I wouldn't have guessed this before I moved to Denver six and a half years ago. Peyton Manning is the biggest star still in Denver. If John Elway is on one side of the street and Peyton Manning's on the other, 
Nine out of every ten people will walk towards Peyton Manning. It is incredible how many people come and kiss the ring of Peyton Manning during a game. You see people literally angling for the media timeouts and dead ball situations to come over and kiss the ring. It doesn't matter if you're Shaq. It doesn't matter if you're Charles Barkley or Michael Wilbon or the damn mascot. Everyone comes over and bends the knee to Peyton Manning. He has made Denver his home. He's totally leaned into the Broncos. Um, and I know it bothers the people in, in uh, Indianapolis because he has totally embraced his time in Denver uh, to the point where, like, he's on that match with Phil Mickelson and he's got Broncos gear on. He's doing the Denver Broncos schedule a release three years in a row. He doesn't do that stuff for Indianapolis, and everyone in Denver knows it and realizes it and embraces him even more for it. I think there's maybe some deep reasons why that's the case, but it is incredible to be sitting right next to him. And he and I have a relationship because my co-host on the air is Brandon Stokely, who played mm-hmm. 15 years in the NFL, and they were teammates in Indianapolis. They were teammates here in Denver. So he and I know each other, and uh, it is amazing. He's got time for everyone. He is so considerate. He knows that you want a picture. Like, he and I worked together one time uh, for the first time. He knows I want a picture with him, but I'm not going to ask. So he said, hey, Stoke, take a picture of me and Z." I'm like, did Peyton Manning just call me Z? He's like that considerate. He's like next level, like politician, um, you know, uh, that, that, that sensitivity, knowing how important that moment for the other person is to be around him. Uh, and the way he handles it with, with such grace is uh, pretty cool to see up close. Uh, That's dope. We're talking to Zach by real quick. I will ask you a, a Nuggets question after this, but I have to quickly tell, I always say that when I was out with the band Perry, nobody in that band was a sports fan. The biggest personification of that, we were playing a charity event in Knoxville and Peyton Manning and Dan Marino were side stage. And I was freaking out the whole time because I was like, oh, my God. And nobody else even knew who they were. And so finally, like, I wasn't going to ask for a picture. And the guitar player walked up and was like, hey, man, I don't know who you are, but our band leader is a big fan, I guess. Would you take a picture? So Marino (laughs) and Manning took a picture. It's still one of the chairs. Like, I'm looking at my – I just love that somebody walked up to Peyton Manning. He's like, I don't know who you are. It's just wild. All right, Zach, you just mentioned all of the glory of Peyton Manning. Uh, We just saw Jokic step up and be that guy, right? We just saw Jokic do what Jokic has done all year. When you look at what you saw last night in that arena, was that the method, or is Miami going to be able to figure this out? No, I, I don't. I don't think that there is a recipe that you can go to to, to for Miami to figure this out. And when I say figure it out, I'm not talking about winning a game. They may do that. I'm talking about beating this Denver Nuggets team four times over the next ten, eleven days. I just don't see it, guys. I simply do not see it. It's like if, if and Eric Spolstra is a legendary coach. He's a top five coach in the NBA, and he's not five. Okay, he's going to the Hall of Fame. But you can have the best corner man in boxing. If you're 120 pounds and the guy you're fighting is Mike Tyson, like it doesn't. You can make all the adjustments in the world. Uh, I ma- I made the joke to you guys. It'd be like you two racing. Like sometimes you're just punching outside your weight class, and I'm having fun, but I mean it. Like I don't know if there's something, some some rabbit that you can pull out of uh, of a hat. Because here's the thing, guys. It's hard to win a game in the NBA Finals by double figures. Okay, it's the NBA Finals. I didn't think the Nuggets played well. I didn't. I didn't think that Nikola Jokic took three shots at halftime. Three. This is a guy who we've seen score in the 50s in these playoffs. But he's kind of like water. He just goes the path 
of least resistance. He doesn't fight the game. You hear in new sports, hey, let the game come to you. Well, when you look that up in the dictionary, you see a picture of number 15 in a Denver Nuggets jersey. Uh, so the, his approach to the game, it was almost like, yeah, I, I, I have all this weaponry in my belt. Let me just use this one chisel here in this first half. Let me just use this one baby hammer in the second half. Okay, now in the fourth, let me pull out my chainsaw. He's, he's like that. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and by the way, Denver won a game by double figures in a night where Jamal Murray shot two of seven from three, in a night where Michael Porter Jr. shot two of 11 from three. Uh, Contavious Caldwell-Pope struggled from the field. That's not going to stay the same. And they still won the game by double figures. So it, it's, it's hard to quantify what we're seeing in real time. But I have, I have a, a guess that in about a month, we're going to be looking back at the Denver Nuggets playoff run as not just a run to a championship, as a dominant run to a championship, guys. They haven't lost at home yet. Think about that. Boston, who just got beat uh, on Sunday night, they lost six home games in these playoffs. Denver hasn't lost one game in Denver. They had a gentleman sweep of the first round of Minnesota. They were faced against the, 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 the finals favorite at that time in Phoenix and won in six. They swept the Los Angeles Lakers right out of the playoffs. And here they are with a 1-0 lead uh, against Miami. So uh, I think the perspective will start to set in with Jokic, with this team. And real quick, I'll leave you with this because I know you guys are going to be up against it here. But when you look at the history of this league that I know very well, and you go and look at players who have won multiple MVPs in the regular season and also won a championship plus a finals MVP, which Jokic is the largest finals MVP favorite that we've had in 20 years. The list of guys in NBA history that have done that, it's a list of 10. Their names are Wilt and Jordan and LeBron and Kareem and Larry and Magic and Steph and Giannis. Jokic is about to be on that short list in the next two weeks, and the awareness of his all-time greatness I think will rise uh, when when this championship is over. All we ask you is you keep celebrating us with us when it happens, Zach. Appreciate your time. Congrats on a great night, dude. It's fun to watch. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you guys so much for giving me this platform. You can follow my journey on Instagram at zby23. Lots of exclusive, you know, up close content there, and uh, forever grateful uh, for for you guys. Uh, Really appreciate it. All right, Zach. We appreciate you. That's great. Uh, we, we need to get the Instagram plug in there. Stokely and Zach also 104.3 The Van in Denver. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Round out your protection with life, phone, and pet health insurance like I do with Annabelle. Love you, Annabelle. All right. Our next guest was also courtside last night, but he was center court because he was calling the game. We'll get Mike Breen's thoughts of what he saw last night. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. The finals. Butler gets a screen. He's free. Puts up a jumper. Missed it. Missed it. I think we do a good job defensively, just flying around, being on the string. Not just tonight, but all playoffs, all season. You know, you can't be the number one seed with just offense. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. You just heard Christine Lisi tell you. We'll keep you updated on any developments we get according to Adrian Wojnarowski. It appears that Frank Vogel will be the new head coach of the Phoenix Suns. In the meantime, we got plenty to break down from what we saw last night. We'll do that now with Mike Breen, ESPN NBA play-by-play announcer, calling your 18th straight NBA Finals, Mike. Uh, first and foremost, appreciate you joining us after uh, I know what was a, a chaotic night last night. 
Uh, you, you've done this 18 straight times. Uh, give me some sense of what the environment was like in Denver where they've waited so long for this this moment. Hey, Jason. Hi, Harry. Um, it was it was amazing. And it's always when it's the first time um, or if it's the first time in a long time. You guys know, I mean, when a, when a fan base hasn't experienced a championship contender for the longest time and all of a sudden there it is, there's just – it's not just loud. There's, there's this joy that's in the building, that they're seeing something that they've waited so long for. So it was a great atmosphere. And obviously, you know, the way the Nuggets played, it was like the perfect night if you were a Nugget fan. So now the interesting thing is, all right, this Miami team that continues to bounce back every time people are ready to write them off, how are they going to respond? Mike, can you put into words just how important Nikola Jokic is for the Denver Nuggets and everything that they do offensively? Yeah, because he, he does everything offensively. Uh, Michael Malone told us before the game, um, my biggest fear is if Jokic gets in foul trouble. Well, so that tells you the minutes that he doesn't play can completely turn a game around. And that's no knock on the rest of the players. It's because, as you say, um, the responsibilities he has. I mean, they run the offense through him, um, and he doesn't necessarily have to score, obviously, um, but he's just hes just one of those special players that we've rarely seen that can do everything, and he's the number one decision maker. Everything runs through him. Um, it's incredible to watch. It really is, and, and um, you know, he just keeps getting better and better, and, and Jeff Van Gundy said something last night. I've never heard him say about another player. He said, uh, this was, I think, toward the tail end of the first half, said every decision he's made so far has been the right decision. Mm. I mean, it, that's, that's pretty remarkable when you think of what the comment means. And, and that's the, the type of uh, basketball knowledge that he has. I mean, he's an absolute genius on the court. So how do you slow down an absolute genius? Because it's, it's, it's apparent that Miami's going to have to figure something out. Yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> that's the question for Eric Spolstra. You know, do you let him score? Some some feel that the best thing is, you know what, let him score and don't let get everybody else involved. But he figures out a way not to have to do that. Now, he's had an occasional 40 or even 50-point-plus game, but he'd much prefer to pass. Um, and that might be something that Eric Spolster tries to do. Is, All right, let, let him score as many as he wants because he was dominant in the in the first half and he took three shots for crying out loud how many stars <laughs> can you say that about and that's why he, this guy's so magical to watch um you know i, I don't have the answer to you on, on that one that's that's for eric Spolster to try and figure out he's one of those guys you, you're never going to stop him uh it's just what type of uh, what type of way you want to approach to stopping the team and mike you've been doing this for a very very long time at a high level does Jokic compare to anybody that you've ever seen? Uh, no, I, I would say no. What I would say, Darvin Ham had actually, I thought, a pretty good um, comparison. He said he's a combination of Bird and McHale, Kevin McHale, obviously. Um, and I thought that was pretty good because he, he has it all. I mean, his, his passing ability, I'm tired of people saying, and I've said it too, um, best passing center of all time. He's one of the best passers of all time, not just center in terms of his ability to find the open man and to read the defenses. And then you think about his shot-making ability, um, his rebounding, uh, his timing, his leadership. Um, he's one of the most unique players I've ever seen. 
because he has the attributes of a point guard, of a shooting guard, of a small forward as a center. It's it's one just special package in one man. I think, Mike, we were expecting that from Jokic. We expect greatness from Jamal Murray. But what Aaron Gordon did early in that game particularly was impressive to most of us watching. What stood out to you as you watched the early portion of the game and Gordon's assertiveness? You know what? I, I think guys both Gordon and Porter have realized, all right, we don't have to be the stars on this team. But what we have to do is help accentuate their strengths. And not only, you know, Jokic, one of the most gifted passers we've seen, but Murray has really become a really good playmaker in addition to his terrific scoring. So they're playing off that, and they're getting great looks because of it. And and I think Gordon especially has has not let it affect him on some nights when he's not going to get a lot of shots and he's not going to score a lot of points. But then there are other nights when the defense is geared toward Murray and Jokic that he has those opportunities. Listen, the guy was a fourth overall pick. He's got great athleticism. He's got real talent. Um, and I think the fact that both him and Porter have put their egos aside have made them better players and obviously better for this team. Mike, you know what I call that? I call that them understanding what their role is. And so I got to give a lot of credit to Michael Malone for that. Also, both of those players as individuals. And also, Nikola Jokic being the superstar player, but having the confidence in them when it's not him or Jamal Murray, but giving them an opportunity to go out there and shine. How do you feel about that? I think everything you said was was spot on because the coaching staff, led by Michael Malone, has to convince them. But also the player has to respect that. I mean, you know, Porter's a guy, he's still only 24 years old. He wants to be a, a star. Um but he knows on this, this particular team, he's already put Whitting ahead of his own personal numbers. And Gordon has done the same thing. And I think a big part of it is what the second point you said. They love playing with Jokic. They see how pure his intentions are. Jokic would rather not score a point and let them all score points. His, his joy that he takes in his teammates' success makes you want to play with him. That's leadership. And I think that's all part of, of why they're all falling into place, why they're such a, a connected team right now. Mike, you mentioned leadership. Got to ask you quickly about Jimmy Butler. 13 points last night. What are you expecting to see from him that will be different in game two? Well, again, Butler is, is the type that he reads what the defense is giving him. So if you're throwing double teams at him, he's not going to force the issue offensively. But there's no question he has to be more aggressive looking for a shot. There was one possession – and Mark Jackson made the point of saying it uh, during the game, where he had two open shots. One was from the foul line, and one was even deeper in the paint, and he passed them both out for three-point attempts. And sometimes that works when your guys are knocking them down. But he has to be aggressive um, for them to, to be such a talented team like Denver. He's got to be aggressive, and that's what you would expect from him in game two. Mike, especially coming off of a big night last night, I know you're slammed. It means the world to us that you took the call. Thanks for hanging out with us today and giving us the insight. My pleasure, guys. I enjoy coming on with you. Mike Breen, ESPN NBA play-by-play commentator. Don't want to miss his work. Uh, you know how much we love it. I know how much you guys love it, too. Tune in Game 2 of the NBA Finals Sunday night, presented by Indeed. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN radio stations and on Sirius XM Channel 80. All right, coming up, on to one of the biggest NBA stars who could be away from the court for a long time. We'll explain next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. All 
Honestly, I was shocked when I saw that video. For Ja, I think he has to take a step back and figure out what's important to him because you're on the verge of blowing it all. We've uncovered a fair amount of additional information given that we're, of course, in the offseason. He has now been suspended by the Memphis Grizzlies indefinitely, and my sense now is that shortly after the conclusion of the finals, we will announce the outcome of that investigation. Every year before the NBA Finals start, Adam Silver does a State of the Union, if you will, a press conference to talk about issues the leagues are facing. And one thing you knew that would come up in the conversation was John Morant. You just heard a portion of what he said, and the information has all of us wondering what's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. NBA Commissioner Adam Silver made it clear he's reached a decision regarding the league's looming disciplinary action against Grizzlies superstar John Morant. But he also said he'd wait until after a champion had been crowned in the finals to announce a punishment. He made it very clear in this process that he didn't want to take the attention away from the finals. Harry, when I hear the commissioner tell you a couple important things, that he's working with the NBA Players Association on punishment and that he doesn't want that punishment announced until after the finals because he doesn't want to take attention away, what that tells me is the commissioner is ready to make a huge statement because think about it. You don't need the Players Association involvement unless it's going to be staggering, and you're willing to be a small distraction by creating this conversation to not be a huge distraction. That, to me, says historic precedent is coming, which to me means we're looking at a one-year suspension. Like, that's the only thing that I can make sense to even go through these steps if I'm Adam Silver and I'm not just coming out directly and telling everybody what I'm thinking. Yeah, everything that Adam Silver has presented to us is saying that it's going to be severe, right? It's going to be firm, and he's going to make sure this time that he makes an example out of in which this, this, this case, it's going to be John ja Morant, right? He gave him leeway the first time around, only suspended him, it was what, eight games, right? And then this time around, um, John ja Morant probably didn't tell the truth to the commissioner, and the commissioner's feeling some type of way. And when this punishment is... Um, display to us, to the world, to the basketball world, to John Morant and everyone involved. It doesn't sound like it's going to be good for John Morant's case. No, I mean, in that end, and this is what's tough. I want to remind everybody, in case you haven't been listening to Fitz and Harry, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, in case you haven't been listening to this show, uh, it is important to note that obviously what he did in that moment was not illegal in the state that he lives in. The problem is, essentially, the best way to put this is he was on probation. When he did break the league rules and when he met with Adam Silver, it it became very clear that they would no longer tolerate this behavior no matter what. At that point, everything falls under the umbrella of conduct detrimental to the league. So before anybody yells and screams about the legalities and those issues, I want to explain to everybody that that doesn't matter once you sat in front of the commissioner and said, this isn't who I am, it's not who I want to be, and he says, all right, we'll go light this time, but things like this can never happen again. If they do, we will come down hard and heavy. All indications are those of the conversations, Harry. So to me, when he's saying he's working with the Players Association, well, we know that when Gilbert Arenas brought unloaded guns to the facility back in the day with Washington, he was suspended, I believe it was 50 games. All right, so if we're working with the Players Association and we're trying not to cause a distraction, to me that means it's going to be so epic it's bigger than 50 games. And if you're going to go bigger than 50 games, it's got to be a year. That That's the only thing that can make sense. And look, part of me from the human side of it hates that. But also, if you're the league, you have to send a message. You tried to be nice. Now you can't be. Yeah, I just don't. I just hope it's not a year. Um, 
I do think it should be at least half of, of a season. Um, but I don't know if I want John Morant away from everything basketball-wise for an entire year because we see some of the things that, I mean, he's doing while he's playing basketball. So just just give him an opportunity to be able to, you know, if it's going to be half a year, at least that second half of the year, he'll be, be able to be around his teammates, being around his coaching staff. Uh, but it's, it has to be stipulations. He's going to have to be able to seek the proper help to make better decisions as well, Fitz. Yeah, it feels a little like tough love sometimes, and I agree with you. From a human standpoint, separating from the team for a year could be truly detrimental for him. But also, if you're the league, you have to look at this sometimes and say, man, we, we've got to make a statement, and we can't worry about what that means for you. We have to worry about what that means for us. It's None of it's easy. None of it's easy for him. Most importantly, we all hope that John Morant gets, gets right. But I think what Adam Silver just told you is that they're going to send a message that forces resolution to this one way or the other. And we won't get that message until after we know who the champion is. All right, coming up, it appears the Phoenix Suns have hired their new head coach. Looks like it's Frank Vogel. We'll break down the move next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. <laughs> 